Hello and welcome to the Greatest Music Podcast, where we listen to our Yo, yo, Ian, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish, but Beyonce had the best video of all time. I, I really... No, you're not buying it. Okay, go ahead. Just start it over again. No, no, you have to explain that one, and then we start over again. Oh, is that what Kanye West said when he jumped, like, ah, ha, ha, suck it, Josh. That was a crap thing to say. Um, that was my alarm going off because I'm I'm currently building a table. <laughs> um, we listen to everything on this show, and we try to figure out if it's awesome. My name's Ian. <laughs> and I'm Andy. And this... This is a day I've been waiting for for a long time on the greatest music, music podcast. podcast. All right, I, I wasn't sure if you were going to buy that or not. It took me a while to figure it out. It took me a while. like I was like, this has to be on purpose. Like that's not how Andy talks. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I've been waiting for this to come up, though, because she is one of my favorites. She is from not far away from where I live. And I don't know, the 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 small inner girl inside of me vibes on almost everything that she writes about. It is it is the most non emo music with the most emo lyrics ever. It's Taylor Swift, man. It's Taylor freaking Swift. T Swifty, are you a T- are you a Swifty? You know, I don't know what all the connotations are with that, but if you don't tell anybody, yeah, I probably am. okay. That's fair enough. And I yeah, there's just go ahead. I, I only know the stuff that's made it to the radio. That's almost everything she's ever written. No, ever. no, 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 no. There was a Dude. lot of this album I didn't know. She owns the. You pu- she puts out a song and somebody plays it somewhere a lot. I, I guess. So sp- particularly, yeah. we are looking at the 2012 album that was re-recorded in 2021 because of all kinds of stuff, and I'm sure you'll get into that. Called Red, in quotation or in parentheses, Taylor's version. Yeah. So so here's what happens. Um, record companies, when they record an artist, they own the masters for X period of time. And the masters, you mean the recordings, the actual, re- like the tape or the digital copy of the recordings of that song. Yeah, the original. They, they own like the first, they don't own the mixtapes, they own the tape that, and then everybody else would make copies of. As opposed to the writing which is a different whole copyright issue. It's weird how music industry works, man. It is. It is cuz there's it costs a lot of money to do a professional recording. There's there's professionals that you have to pay that really understand their craft and their space. There's the space in general that usually costs money, the room you use, microphones, instruments, little teeny tiny you know, dials and levers and all kinds of things that cost more money than I will ever see in my entire lifetime. But the record companies, that's kind of what they got going for them. Hey, we, we got all the stuffs that would make you sound better. Um, and the average Joe, like you and I, and especially in a digital age, we're not going to notice that too much. But if you got the monies, you got the monies. You got the monies. Yeah. And so the record company, like you sign up with them and they say, hey, we're going to make like you have to make four records in X time period. And then when the record's made or the, the, the album is made, they own the rights to the master for for a given period of time. Um, and that means it can't be recreated, reproduced, anything like that. That's the only one of that that's available um, so, to the world because that's how they get their money right back. so unless they give permission and they're making money on it they're not going to reproduce it yeah yeah they're not going to allow you to do it so when that time period is up geez why does my alarm keep going off when that time period is up what they then do is they either keep it or they put it up for sale so in 
what happened. I mean, most of the time, I think it goes up for sale. Um, so Taylor Swift wanted to buy her masters. I mean, who wouldn't? Like, that's my music. I wrote it. I did a lot of the writing and the playing, the arranging, all of that. I, I would like to have the rights to, like, the master recordings of my stuff. And this rich dude um, who I didn't know much about, and I didn't want to get into him because I kind of don't like him based on just this one thing alone. <laughs> um, so I don't really know the dude. Right. I just, it makes me mad because it's kind of like he hurt my friend. Um, but his name's Scooter Braun. Well, I mean, his name is or, Scooter. So, I mean, he's got one strike already against him. Yeah. Like if that comes up before your real name even comes up, but he bought her masters in 2019 when they went up for sale. Um and so, consequently, Taylor Swift lost the Masters to the recording. So she's not going to get the money from him playing on the radio or selling it to commercials or things like that. No, Scooter she is. She just doesn't. Yeah, Scooter gets the money now because he owns the music. Um, and he will own them forever until he wants to get rid of it. Well, they got sold and Taylor Swift got pissed. Um, and you don't mess with Taylor Swift. I mean, if you want to get, like, your eyes clawed out and bit and, like, like she's just going to fight dirty about the whole thing. She's going to get pissed. So she's like, you know what? He can't do anything if I just re-record the whole thing. So that's what she did. She got almost everybody who originally played on the albums, most of the producers that played on the album. She called up her buddy Ed Sheeran and was like, hey, we need to redo that thing and we need to make some more money off of it. You want to come re-record the song? And he's like, oh, yeah, mate, we'll come record that song. And then he plays his acoustic. That was really bad. That was more That was terrible. English. That was the worst <laughs> English accent I've ever heard. But that's what she did. Like, to the nines. Gordon Lightbody, very, right? Yeah. Which is um, from Snow Patrol. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh-huh. then Dan Wilson of Semisonic uh-huh. uh, who helped with Treacherous. So yeah. there's some... Phoebe Bridges. Yeah, there's some big names on this. She's one of my favorites. Chris Stapleton. Um, but they, they re-record it. Played all the guitar parts the same. The sounds are all pretty much there. Brought in the same producers so that the levels were kind of where they were supposed to be. And, like, they got those ears on them to make sure that they were matching up. Um, Sent it out to be mastered, and she paid for it. She did all of that. And people want to be a part of it because the album made millions. And it's going to continue to make millions. In fact, in five days, it sold 500,000 albums. In the first five days, it also went in, in the world... It went to like 1.2 million copies, digital copies. It was the number one played album ever. Yeah, because she beat her own record. I wrote these numbers down here. Where is it? Um, It's the most streamed album in one day by a female artist at 90.8 million streams in one day. That's a lot of streams there, Tony. (laughs) And before that, Oh, she sold 1.2 million albums in a week. Before that, she on the record. I thought I wrote those numbers down, but I didn't. So that's what she did. Um, Plus, this album was the only the second album, opposed to the Beatles, that she released. What was it? Six albums in a row that all went to number one for more than six weeks. I believe is what the record is. The Beatles is are the only other ones to have done that. Yeah. And speak of the Beatles, if you guys have not watched Get Back, Get Back, Get Back, watch it. You will cry. You will laugh. You will have a new favorite Beatle by the time the whole thing's it's done. It's always been Ringo, baby. Always. No, no. Ringo no, no. just went up in my book. I'm sorry, but he did. I, I will say, folks, he he will become much more beloved after watching this and, thing. And just one more little Get Back side note: I was cheering for them. Like you know how it ends up. But they're going through all this stuff, and you're just like, come on, boys, just get it together. You can do Uh it. Just one more record for the people. And then this was the one thing I was telling you, too. Um, Oh, I just lost the thought. Never mind. (laughs) Okay. That's definitely worth watching. I remember what it was. To watch them creating the songs. Like oh, Paul yeah. McCartney's writing Let It Be, and he's like, oh, maybe this line or this line. You're like, no, it's this line, <laughs> Paul, you dummy. Just sing the song. Get your crap together. <laughs> John, stop singing another accent. Just record the damn song. Yeah. <laughs> Let George play what he wants to play. Anyway. Um, 
All right. But anyway, Let's get yeah, back so on the this Taylor album train. Is, is nearly a carbon copy to the original Red that came out in 2012, I yep. believe it was. Um, except for a few vocal things that she does a little bit differently. And I don't know if that's an age thing or why she chose. To me, it didn't make much of a difference. It was just one of those like, oh, she sang that different. Hmm. Well, that's not in my range anymore. <laughs> like, like where she put that note is not like right in between my throat and my head voice. And now I can't sing, Taylor. Thanks. You screwed it up for a middle-aged white man. <laughs> it was um, on 22. Yeah, it was 22. And uh, we're never getting back together. She did a few vocal changes. Um, very small. Very small vocal Yeah, changes. never picked up on them. Because I've heard both of those songs prior. And... I yeah. was like, it sounds like the same song I've always heard. Yeah, because this was a weird album for her. This is this is one that got me really interested in what she was doing because um, it was clear that we were getting off the country train at this point. Like there was always like it it went from country to like really poppy country, and this was clearly like, oh man, like they just dropped the beat, like dance style, like like lowered the floor hit the roof up, and this album is just all over the place. Like, musically, there's not a lot tying this thing together other than her voice. No, this this was a very chaotic album. Now, I did see her kind of try and justify it, saying this is a truly a heartbreak album, and when you're going through heartbreak, your life is kind of chaos, and you get emotions from all different angles. So, and I was like, mm, that's an afterthought, and maybe a more... She's smart, yeah. A more so, mature... Like, afterthought and she figured that all out and was like oh that's how i explain this out so yeah that was one of the biggest contentions it was like she was almost reluctant to jump into the pop stuff or Hmm. there was safety in the country stuff and stepping out into new territory it it's i mean it's scary and i gotta tell you um i watched that miss americana documentary that's on netflix i haven't watched it yet but i want to hear okay so and i think that that really helped me understand the taylor swift thing a lot more okay um because i mean she started off really young like 11 or something like that there was a clip of her parents owned a christmas tree farm right down the street from yeah and they took off when she started singing they took off to nashville right yeah uh reading wyoming area um, there was a very quick clip, and I caught it, of her playing at Knoebel's Grove. Yeah. Yeah, in that, that little <laughs> amphitheater. Yeah. She walks out, yep, and she's yep, like, yep. hi, y'all, I'm, my name's Taylor. And she's like 12, maybe, 12, 13, yeah. something like that. So moved to Nashville when she was 14. And I'm conflicted on this, Amer- I mean, it got... Pretty good reviews, but then there was a few people that dogged it a little bit. And I see both sides of it. She okay. talked about um, basically her self-esteem, her worldview was all on do a good thing, be a good person, you get rewarded as the good thing. You know, it was all about what you did. If you didn't mess up, you had love. And when you messed up, you didn't have love, mm. you know? And so that's a hard place yeah. to be. And I think the pick was her trying to show that she's grown up past that. Um, okay. I, now, like you said, she's a smart girl. I think part of this was sort of um, it was a f- fluff rebranding. Uh, look at me piece a little bit. Okay. Um, I think it had a little bit of it in there, but I'm not mad at her for it. Like, it wasn't, I don't think that was the original attention of this documentary thing. I think it just sort of was a byproduct of her growing yeah. up. And so it was, it talked about that, about, so she sort of had that thing. And then this Kanye moment, which I tried to replicate as our intro, which I still can't believe we're keeping that, but that's, that's amazing. Uh, in 2009, when Kanye came up and interrupted her at the MTV Awards, and then everybody was booing, she thought it was for her, and so she was shattered, and this messed her up. And then they talk about her eating um, issues with eating disorders and all that kind of stuff. 
and then huh. uh, her treacherous album didn't get any nominations. And so this was at the end of that, in the beginning of Lover, and then her finally stepping out and showing what she thought about the world, you know, of speaking out against the one representative from Tennessee for the, I think it was Congress or the Senate. I don't remember which one it was. Um, And then her standing up for, you know, her allyship with, with the LGBTQ plus um, community and all that kind of thing. And, and you could see there was a real maturity in it. So, but at the same time, it was like, "Mm, I think you're doing this as another move. So anyway, a bigger picture, seeing all of that, looking back then at red, it made me go, yeah, this was a moment. This was like the, the shift for you i don't think you completely shifted but you took you turned in the right direction you didn't start walking yet but you turned yeah you could still turn around it was a very safe like you got a 50 50 shot if one you know if it doesn't work you still got like you haven't completely ditched the country scene so you can still go back there i liked uh there's a quote i wrote down here it says swift songwriting in red was positively received by critics but they were divided on the sonic range of the album. Praise was directed at the album's versatility, but criticism targeted its inconsistency. Later, critics have described Red as a transitional record that bridged Swift's country roots to mainstream pop, laying the foundation for the electro-pop sound of her subsequent albums. Mm-hmm. So I once I read that, I was like, yeah, that's totally this album. This was the the move before the big move this was the yeah, we've the, talked the about the move that. before the decision yeah we've like we've talked that. about that before, when a band can either decide to be the same thing it's always been like nickelback or the band can go hey we need to move in new directions to do new things to try and make great music and yeah it's neat to turn around and look back the weird thing is is I wonder how that was emotionally for her coming back um, as a 30-year-old woman now, singing these songs from when she was 22, 20, well, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like early 20s. Because I know 22-year-old Andy to 32-year-old Andy, there was a lot of growing up that happened there. And I'm sure you could say the same about Ian. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- so, yeah, I mean, you definitely relive that, I would think, on some level. But also, remember, I mean, she's touring all the time and playing all the time. Like, it's not like these songs really left the repertoire, you know? Like, there's still, I'm sure, a vast majority of these songs mm-hmm. that still got played on, you know, a couple of times a week. Um, but you definitely need to get back in that headspace hardcore to recreate a recording. Um because she has a tone to her voice, you know, like it's she she is not the world's best singer by any means. Um, that was a point I was going to get. She, She's got she for me is a gigantic Dylan effect. She hmm. she is she is the female version of Bob Dylan in my different John, different time. But she's singing okay. songs that people feel the emotion that she's bringing forth. And I don't think she's a great singer at all. Uh, I mean, she's an okay, okay. singer. She's a f- I think she's a better singer than Bob Dylan. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. But for you look at many other pop stars that can really sing. And mm-hmm. I mean, she c- couldn't handle, hold a candle to Whitney Houston, Celine Dion, Mariah Carey in the heyday. I don't know about today. Um, you know, these other <laughs> uh, females that just – Kelly Clarkson, I think, would even – I would even put in that same – like, she can – they can really sing and blow your socks off. I, Taylor can just – But you know what she can do? She can write a really good song. And she can play it on an instrument. Like, she writes the song. Oh, is she a now multi-instrumentalist? Look. 
More than I would give AJR credit for, yes. Yeah, true. Um, How fair enough. <clears throat> you know? Because I went back and I watched the Tiny Desk concert. Now, she is not a guitarist by any means. But, I mean, she was playing different rhythms. She was palm muting. She was picking the notes. And then she would strum it full out. So she's got a pretty good idea of how that whole thing works. She might not be the best at it. But when when she does what she does, it hits with a group of people. And it makes sense. You know? Um, And that's one of the things I really appreciate about her. Like, it's, I know she wrote that song. Like, I know she sat down at a piano and played that song, and then it became this other thing. I think what she does do well is know that when it comes time to recording, that some people are better than her <laughs> at different, like, sounds and styles. And she's willing to, like, be like, here, these are the chords I wrote. This is how the song goes. What would you do with it? And there was a lot of that on this album. Uh, yeah. Where I think it's like, look, I, I play an A minor, a G, and a C, and I sing this. What should we do with it? And they're like, boom, chicka-pouch, boom, boom, pow. And she's like, okay, I just sing on that then. <laughs> like, right. You know, like, it, it's... They did show some of that in that documentary. There's a guy that she always works with. I don't remember his name. Uh, I don't know if that might... There, There's a single producer guy that she's worked with. Nate, oh, Nate Chapman, I think. Yeah. I thought it was Derek something. Or I don't know. I know who you're talking. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I do know. There's a single guy yeah. that she has worked with pretty much her entire career, and she yeah, just all the four albums up to this yep. one, and including this one. So, um, but there was a slew of people. I mean, did you look at the liner credits of this album? Oh, yeah. like the li- the liner credits, like, uh, like check it out on Wikipedia. That's where it, like hit me the yeah, most. Yeah, well, there's like, one. There's lots of producers. Christopher Rowe? Yeah. Is that him? That might be. No. I swear Espionage. <laughs> That's the dude that was making the bottom drop. Yeah, there was a couple of them. <laughs> that, yeah, there's a lot of people on the producer list. One, two, yeah. th- Shellback. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, four, fourteen. Fourteen producers. That's a lot of producers. On 20... 20- on 20 songs, that's a lot. Yeah. You know, I know this album had 30, but I, I didn't get into the the last 10, the From the Vault. I do not believe they are re-recorded. I think those are old recordings that just didn't get used the first time. Um, so. The other guy would have still had the rights to them, though. So they must have. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe they did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, so that's it. Like, I just... There's something about her that resonates with me. It, it's she had a lot of cutesy songs that really worked for me uh, in the earlier albums. She had a song called "Mean." Why you got to be so mean? Yeah, that really worked for me. Um, I do love love she, story. It's it's such a cute little oh, ditty. It is. It is. She's she can tell a good story and. Um, I did watch an interview with her once where she explained that her writing process mostly happens on her cell phone mm-hmm. um, because she she apparently like that's when her ideas come to her is when she's walking. Um, and so she just ducks into a corner and sings into her cell phone. Like, they did show I some of that. that. She was cool. like, this was me at 4 a.m. And she was like and she pulls up a voice memo or she's just yeah. always tick, 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 typing it down on her phone. And she's like, OK, I've got the verse. And then she just sings it. Yeah, she does have a, a gift of just being able to tell a story and write some lyrics and have them kind of rhymey, and, but then still not just be cliche rhyming. There were some songs yeah. that were really great hits for me on this album, and then there were some that just, I wanted this song to be over. And it felt like this album um, took a nosedive for me. Um, when listening oh. to it, uh, stay, 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 track nine, and then the the album tanked. That's my opinion. Oh. I, I okay. like the first nine tracks a bunch, and then yep, it fell off a cliff. And then it just it just fell off a <laughs> cliff it, for that, you. Oh, I don't think that Gary Lightbody is his name. I don't think he was good for what she was doing. The Ed Sheeran song oh. I liked. They had a good mm-hmm. dynamic. Um, I, I know what she was trying to do with, or I think I know what she was trying to do with the last time with Gary Lightbody. She, like, let him lead, and she took secondary, and it didn't work. 
it wasn't his style. Gotcha. And it felt it okay. felt off. Where the other one, it was her leading and Ed Sheeran was coming along for the ride, and they sort of played together for a little bit, but she was in the lead. And mm-hmm. it worked. And that's yeah, and that's traditionally how the recordings I did I did pick up on that. She definitely was able to, and I think this is a newer thing in her career, is is not be in the spotlight on her own recording. Like yeah. she's getting a bit of that John Foreman bit where she's yeah. Like she's not as intimidated, I think, by the other artists and lets them kind of move in uh, a little more. Like Phoebe Bridges got a whole verse that's never happened before. Like that's a new thing on a Taylor Swift recording is somebody else gets to sing a whole verse. Yeah, you must be kidding. My which, album. Which bitch. song was that? Uh, I can't remember, but it came on and I was like, yes, two of my favorites. Because I wouldn't right be able to. Time. Was that in the extra songs? Yeah, it was at the. Okay. It was in the last. I didn't ton. listen to the extra songs. I only listened to the, the regular album. Yeah, I think if you listen to those last ten and like, it does some weird stuff. She's definitely a different person, and you get that feel now. Because even this, I thought the mix was a little more haphazard. Um, like it wasn't perfectly dialed in. Like the tones were the same. Like the guitar tones were the same, but they. It wasn't perfected as much, but it felt like it was intentionally that way. Like it was more of an indie rock, like, and I'm feel my air quotes, like, sort of like you that's the have guitar sound. Air quotes. Yeah, it had some of that. Whereas that, I'm the first time Red came out, that was dialed in. Like you couldn't move one thing one way or the other, or the whole thing would collapse. Like it was a perfectly engineered sound and this was like oh it's all the same sounds it's the same song but it's like oh it's like a band's playing this now like kind of thing and i liked that a little bit more um it led to some weird bits here and there where i was kind of like oh no that needed that really highly produced bit to like fill that part out the way it was but you have any specific examples of that um it was mostly the guitar in the right ear and no i wasn't watching track names um, it, it was a lot of times it was the distorted guitar in my right ear that, that was picking up like the high end of things, the more articulate one. It wasn't as, it wasn't as out front and it had a bit more edge to it than it usually did. Like they didn't round off those really highs hmm. to, okay. to let it come forward more. Um, and then consequently the reverb made it feel a little bit further back and yada, yada, yada. Um, but and I know you probably haven't listened to her like her really new albums, but they're they're a lot more indie, if you will. Like there's a lot more reverb. There's a lot more like dingy old piano and gotcha. Yeah, the only thing I know newer is the one she did with Brandon Yuri from Panic at the Disco. Yeah, yeah. The, most of them are not like that at yeah. all. Yeah, and that's not even the newest. <laughs> there was a couple times the acoustic guitar was just. It felt terrible to me. I I knew you were going to say that. It was it, just, it had a cheap sound. It to was it. just yeah. garbage. <laughs> I think it was. The, I think it was just. Once again, I hate to pick on that same track, but I think it was that the last time track. Um, yeah. Sometimes, not all the time, but the acoustic guitar. It sounded like it was. They tried too hard and they got it too good, and so it sounded terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was more perfect than everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think of Ed. She- is that the Ed Sheeran song? No, Ed Sheeran's guitar always about. sounds like crap because he plays that stupid little Martin, and it doesn't have any good. It's a baby Taylor. No, he plays a little Martin. That's baby. No, Taylor. it's a little Martin. I guarantee you, it's a little Martin. One hundred percent. It's a it's a small Martin. Uh, if you don't know, what we're talking about. There's two main. It's like Ford and Chevy. There's Martin guitars and there's Taylor guitars, and Martins tend to have a more rounded, warm, what darker sound, and Taylors have more of a brighter, crisper sound to them. It's a Martin, isn't it? Shut up, Andy. Yeah, I know. Don't you try and tell me 
<laughs> about acoustic guitars. Thank you very much, sir. <clears throat> His always sounds well. Taylor came from the Martin factory, so what's the difference? Whatever. Anyway, she. <laughs> His guitar always sounds like diddly squat because it's a tiny little body and it has no resonance. But that's his thing. But I was okay with that because it was him. But here's the thing. I think Ed Sheeran's guitar works for him because it's rhythmic. And that's his deal. Yeah. And and I think... And he does all the looper pedals and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and he's fantastic, too. We need to do one of his live shows at one of these points and just geek out on what he's actually doing there because it's his uh la- latest npr tiny desk at home concert was really good but he had other people i sent that one him. to you i know but it was really good okay, all right i'll check it out i haven't gotten to it yet it was really good the guy that was the md was just oh, he played the bass he was really good he had that band tight, <laughs> tight. um okay so there. There was a lot of the acoustic guitar I didn't like, and I don't know if she played any of it. I'm pretty sure she didn't play. She might not. She didn't have. play much of the instruments because I would, every time a song would come up and I would think about it, I'd hit the little credits, and almost always it was her vocals, her own background vocals, and that's usually where it stopped. <laughs> other people were doing all the other music. It's entirely possible. I don't think she played a lick of. She might have played a little piano on it but i think she didn't play it very much if at all of the instrument okay but i think it's she realizes those are the people that can make the music and she can't so she'll just be the singer yeah and i'm okay with that um now there yeah so this this record was weird for me and just I know we don't like to get into people's personal lives and stuff, but I think this was just... His name was Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they must have had a real... They were only together for like three months, right? That's all you need. And let me tell you... Um, Roasted. Bam. <laughs> all, all, no, All Too Well could have been the only song in this album, and I would have handed you all six claps. And that 10-minute version... And then I watched the short film version, and then I watched her play it acoustically in front of after they did it, and I was just like, "I'm good. This this girl's got it here. Like that was that was the north shining star of this entire album. I think uh, that song alone will carry this a lot for me. It was the it was the right amount of songwriting. She she was kitschy in a couple spots. Oh man, dancing! Uh, what of the night in the refrigerator light? That line, man, just punched me in the gut. Every time I hear it, I'm just like, oh, "That's such a good line!" Like it's just perfect because you know, you know it, you know what it feels like too. Yeah, it just speaks the things to you right there. She, that's the thing that I think. I like about her is she just has a way with the words. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get you. Uh, but then there's some where I'm like, mm, this is super stereo. Like, stay, stay, stay bugged me. I liked it, but it bugged me as well. Because it's there is a uh, stock song out there, and I can't remember what it's called, but it almost, I think she intentionally ripped off this stock song. Because it or the stock song ripped off this song with the little ukulele and the little bell part. It sounds like a royalty-free song, and she just sang over top of it. And you're okay with it, huh? I, I am, and I don't know why. Because you're not because you're not going to find anything wrong with this, are you? Oh no, no, I have I have some some qualms with it. Um but by and large, I I am buying what she's selling for sure. If she wrote more songs like All Too Well, I would definitely be on the bandwagon. Oh dude, there's a lot of them. Just just go ahead. Just listen. I I think you will. So there's part of it, too, I think, that there's such a diverse group of people that are listening to her um, that it's hard, like, 
you don't write for teeny boppers the same way you write for people that just got married, the same way you write for people in the 40s. You know, and she is definitely not writing for herself. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this album is not, she is, it's a reflection in as much as she's able to use it to say something else. You know, like, she's, she's not just writing for her. Like, the, she is. Well, some people can do that and make it awesome, and some people can do it and make it fake. And there was a lot of time it felt fake to me. Hmm. Yeah, I th- I think she's I think she is a salesperson and she's really good at it. Yeah, yeah, that was a part of this um, documentary too. I know it wasn't involved with this, and it was sort of after this, but before this, mm-hmm. it was after read the first time, but before this, and yeah, I think she's just gotten really good. she's got really good marketing people. Yeah. And she's just really good at marketing herself and her fit and playing the part and playing the role. And she's, I don't know. She, she feels a bit weird though. Yeah. Well, think weird and awkward. Well, I think that's true. Like, think about like if your family, when you were a small child, put you on a stage and made you perform in front of people and then like uprooted everything they had and took you to a city so you could perform for people. So you could do this and that, like, I, I think there's a large part of Taylor Swift that will never actually know who Taylor Swift is. Like, cause she hasn't yeah. ha- like, you just don't get to grow up. Like, but she, she chose that and her parents let her run mm, with it. Do good parents do things like that? Some I, parents that I don't know, have more money than they know what to do with. And then, they think they're helping their little girl by giving her all the dreams that she's ever wanted. I think, I think it's a terrible move to give everything your kid everything they've ever wanted. I agree. I agree. And we're presupposing a lot of things here, everybody. So, oh, sure. But like, if the shoe fits, I don't know. Um, I just think that yeah, they. The role of a parent is to turn their kid into an adult, not not to make sure that they get things like adults don't get things like adults have to work for things um and and i think that there was a lot here that was i don't know there's something in the back of my mind that makes me think the parents are icky and that drives me nuts i don't know and i have nothing to base that on but i i worry about that a lot with kids like like you have a talented oh, kid child actors and the, and all yeah, that kind and of stuff, the parents yeah. just exploit them. And so the child ends up not knowing who they are and what like, or their only frame of reference is based on this is the thing that I do. Like I'm a musician. Um, and so you don't know how to do anything else other than perform. So if you're not performing, holy shit, what do I do? You know? Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. What am I going to do? I think that's a big part of who she is. I do. And I feel that a lot too, when I watch her as well, like, I, I do feel like she is honestly shocked a lot of times when people listen to her music. Like if you watch her do small shows and things like that and like like where she actually gets to interact with the audience more than like a pretending like I see you out there in that crowd of a million people and yada yada yada. Like she does have a genuine look of like, Oh my gosh, like people actually do listen to that like you know? Um and so I, I think that there's you you know, there's a tidal wave coming for her in her life at some point that's gonna be like shit you know yeah she's gonna have to have another big shift here uh for her to be a i don't want to say good person but to be a a whole person to be a person that is self-aware and all of those kinds of things i i i think that was a lot of what all this like all the drama with oliver not once again i'm going back to personalized and stuff but i think it was just she didn't know who she was so it's like i know some women in in my life that they always have to have a man a man to complete them or whatever it is and i think she went through that phase and she's just gone through all these different phases trying to find out who taylor is and i don't think she's found taylor yet and i i think i mean not that everybody doesn't go through that process but i i think it's a longer process when you have that. I do. Man, I wish we and could you talk have to about do it in front of millions of people. Yeah, you know, like weird. Yeah, I don't get that. Um, 
But some of her later, I'll send you some of her other stuff from her later albums where you like you can tell she's definitely been like, ugh, I don't know what to do about that. Like, and it's like a real thing. <laughs> um, and I think it's pretty good. Because um, if I was a man, then I'd be the man, you know. Do you know that song? Hmm. Oh, yeah, I do know yeah. that song. I think that's a fantastic song. And I think that that's, that's actually like a revelation for her more than a gimmick. Uh, yeah, I think that was a part of what the documentary, too, was like, I have this voice and I can use it for what I want to use it for, not just to be the pawn in the musical industry. Yeah. Or what my parents want me to be or what my record producer wants me to be or what the record label wants me to be or what the fans want me to be or what I want to just be me. Yeah. And you got to know who that is before you even want to be it. That's hard, man. That's hard. Yeah. And I don't think she had it in this album. Yeah. No, she definitely didn't. She definitely didn't. Um, And I, and one of the reasons I think that this album will be somewhat timeless is that, it's a reoccurring thing. Like you have these times in your life where everything has to change and everything has to shift and it becomes a cacophony and you have to deal with it. Um, I think that's going to be its big hindrance as well, though, that it is such a cacophony. Yeah. But all art, it's best down. Like it's best plus is also its biggest down. Like, like Jackson Pollock. It's amazing. If you just look at it and let your eye travel the way he wanted it to, or is it just a big but mess of paint? But it's just a dude smacking some paintbrushes on a canvas. But it's so much more. But it's so much more. Anyway, is this technically great? For the most part. <laughs> That's where I'm at, too. I'm, I'm like 85% high five on this one. Like, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of things where it was really good. The grooves grooved where they needed to groove. I'm stuck on those acoustic guitars sounding like crap, though. You've been hating on some that... acoustic guitars recently. Because acoustic guitars are beautiful instruments, and people are just making them sound like smushy pieces of wood. They're making them sm- sound like trees and not like guitars. That's because they're trying to put them right in your face, and it's just not meant to be that sort of thing. There needs to be space between you and the acoustic guitar for it to work. And people are just... There needs just to be no music. No music sometimes is the best music. <laughs> so do we need to come back to this technical one, or do you want to actually give a straight answer? <laughs> um, I'm not quite convinced that it's great. I agree. It's, it's, it's good, maybe even very good, but I don't know about great. I think when you're redoing it, you you can tick all those boxes because there's not like, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think that there's a lot of. She reasons. might have other stuff that's technically great, but I don't think this album is. Okay, yeah, I I'm with you. Really, really good, not great. Uh, is it emotionally great? And I'm gonna say yes. Hell yes, it goes everywhere. The whole album. Yeah, I knew you were gonna. The whole album love can this. confuse the shit out of you, make you happy. Make you angry, make you happy for the wrong reasons, make you happy for the right reasons, make you sad for good reasons, like make you long. It goes everywhere, and you can't not get that. There's, it uh, runs everywhere. Yeah, it is, yeah, no, and and just how she writes songs, she portrays those emotions very well, and you know what she's now. This is going to be interesting when it plays out in authenticity later, but she knows how to make you write to feel a certain way, whether she has, she's singing that and writing that out of actually feeling that or out of manufacturing it. So you feel it. That's a different scenario, but yes, I would say definitely the first half of this album was great. Second half was, it was, it was good. I think you have to want to be in it. There was so yeah, and I'm not like there's so much heartbreak, and I'm a fairly happily. I mean, I'm a happily married man of almost. Was that a, was that a Freudian years. slip, Andrew? Do we need to talk? <laughs> no. do, we need, do we need to get your wife? <laughs> no, I am a very happy married man for almost eighteen. You're years. a very happy and man I, who's married. Are you a happily married man? They're two happily. That's married two slips in a row, bro. Two in a row. 
Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm happy. I'm married. You can take it whichever way you want it. And I don't need to be in breakup teenage, oh, this boy broke my heart land. I don't need it, and I don't want it, and I don't care for it. Uh, Ian likes to go there. (laughs) I don't know why. All Too Well was the only, like, that was the one where it was just like, oh, you, you sold me on the story, and then you gave me the emotion. Where the other ones were just like, yeah, he broke my heart. There's so much more. To there was it. much difference in in like. Um, She's one for two. Let's now. leave it there, Andrew. Come back, be here. I'll I'll give it to her, but I don't like some of it. That's all <laughs> I'm, I'm saying. saying. You have to like it. All right. What do you think about the packaging? Uh no. What? It doesn't fit for me. Oh, dude, it's, it's perfect. Uh, As a Taylor Swift fan, I loved it. I thought it was perfect. So so the first red album is her with a red cowboy hat on. I get it. Red lipstick, red cowboy hat. This is is more mature forms of red. Like it's not just bright okay. garish red. Like this is a new version. Right. Still red lips. All still right. who I am now. And I think it was it was a play on um, Joni Mitchell's uh, Blue album, right? Oh, I don't know. From what I was reading, I don't know that. And one. people were were kind of comparing her to a modern day Joni Mitchell slash Carol King. What up, Jim Wiedemann? Um, <laughs> they were giving her in the same. Okay, all right. It does. I didn't. I was the packaging's okay. right for this. I don't know. It's that bit of country that throws me off on it. Sure, sure, but I think and then and then the overly poppy stuff, all that middle ground stuff. If this would have been her playing that piano stuff, like treacherous and state of even though state of grace is kind of poppy. But the ones that went a little too country, and then, like, I Knew You Were Trouble, um, and what was the other super poppy one? Um, We're never getting back together. We're never, ever. Back together. Those ones, if you take the super country ones and those two off, then, yes, I would give it, too. But those ones throw me. Yeah, but... When she actually went to one way or the other. Yeah, but I think that's the thing. Like, I think... This this album cover shows where she's at. And I think that's why it works. Okay. We're two for three. Honesty and authentically great. I want to say yes so bad, but I honestly don't know. I And for all the I've reasons we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Is she just a, a manufacturing machine and just really good at it? Yeah. Or is these? Because I, like I said, I hate to keep going back to the same single example, but I mean, it's just. I think it's just a phenomenal song, all too well. If you're not interested in listening to anything else, just listen to that song. If you've made it, if you've made it this far of us, blabber it on. Because um, I think that song came from authentic authenticity, like. I think she really did base that off of now the storyline of like getting to see a photo album of him playing T T ball. Did that actually happen? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if it did. She put me in the space where I think that was real. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, but I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, so it, I'm not convinced. So I can't say yes on this. Yeah, I'm not convinced either. There were some shining moments of it, but I don't think it was a majority of this album. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, is the whole band great? God, there's millions of people playing on this album, and they're, mm-hmm. they're all pretty and she great. doesn't play a lick of it. But she surrounded herself with people. They're smart choices. good music. Yeah. And it sounds like, from my understanding, she had a lot of say and a lot of control in all of those things, even in the earlier days. Yeah. When, because um, I think she she asked for the R or the electro pop, the people that help her get the beat drops and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Like she asked for them. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like a band. 
I don't hear one band playing this from beginning to end. True. And that's what throws me for Yeah, because it is so... It's so sporadic. Yeah, like the same guy that's playing all these different guitars. Like, it would have to be... Like the dude, like Dan from that pedal show or something like that is one of the few people. Or who's that other guy, that that German dude that plays the videos? It it would take a... Oh, Paul... Yeah, what's his name? Uh, he is Schmitt fucking or... great. That dude can play yeah. everything. And you need a dude like that. Like, if... like. If this was a band, you would need that dude playing the guitar because you need all of those styles and you need them a certain way. You know what is that guy's name? You're going to drive me bonkers now. He sir. is great. His videos blow my mind. A Dorian and D Dorian, and we're just going to play. You know, this is the hardest lick I've ever. Like his voice is weird. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different guy. Um, because. Did I send you that one Beatles getting back to get back? <laughs> did I send you that one? Uh, I um, I think I did. Anyway, oh well. Let's move on. Yeah, but my I don't know if I want I can give this because I, I don't know I couldn't see a whole band doing it, and it's clearly not a single band playing this on the album. Like yeah, it, it's so no. She is great, and the people she surrounded herself with. But this isn't a band. Like, this isn't, I mean, the producer did nope. a darn good job with all the different things going on, like, because it's... Trying to make it as cohesive as possible. Yeah. And you can't make, you can't make country and dance music cohesive. Like, th- that's just not possible. Like, they're mixed completely different. The sound ranges that you want to get, how much of the, each of them you want, where the vocals sit. It's a nightmare. It's a freaking nightmare. Yeah. It's like an ADHD album. Yeah. It was like, over here. No, over here. Yeah. Oh, but it hmm. doesn't It doesn't sound god-awful, and it doesn't sound confused on a sonic level. Like, songwriting and musically, yes, but on a sonic level, it's all where, like, the songs sound the way the songs are supposed to sound. But I don't, I don't know. I just want to say no, because I don't even know how to deal with that. Sure. So we're two for uh, five? Pop- yeah, Paul Davids is the guy I'm thinking about. He's got a beard. Yeah, and he speaks real gently. Yeah, but it's it's all very out of the front of his mouth. Like it's all very out of the front of his mouth when he talks. He he's yeah. fantastic. He's he is stupid good. I I think we're talking about the same. Yeah, guy, but yep, cool. Yeah, he plays the sure, right. the sure the sure guitar most of the time. Okay. Yeah, he's really good at ripping John Mayer's stuff apart for me. It's really helpful. Um, am I changed? Hell yeah. Changed. This album got me through a lot of stuff, gave me voices and ideas and phrases for... I still, middle-aged Ian, still comes back to this album on occasion, just turns it on. I, yeah, I think this is a gigantic <laughs> nostalgia monster. I mean, the way this sucker blew up and I saw people i knew like there's just one particular girl that um i know that she was like oh man i'm listening to this and this was from middle school for me and she's in college now Mm -hmm. and she is a much 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 different person in college now i mean just pretty much 180 political views and all, and just lifestyle choices and all Good that kind of her. stuff. But she was like but she was like this is my jam still even though this is nothing I'm into anymore. And so I think that was the big ticket for this. It was just a gigantic nostalgia monster, which is such a wise idea by Taylor. I mean mad props for that. Yeah. When your when your game is emotion, you're going to catch somebody and it'll stick. Yeah. You won't lose it. Um, have you ever heard an album that went all over the place like this? I can't. It's hard for me. I can't think of no, another album that has ever done this. No, I can't either. The Beatles do um, some stuff like this, where it's just like their last couple of albums, where you know, Rocky Raccoon. 
don't be dissing on my white album. Okay? No, but think about it. the white album does have some of these properties where it's like, oh, it has mu- the weird. Songs. Yeah, musically, it went all over the place. You know, it, I, yeah, I was having a conversation with um, a gentleman I follow on Instagram, and he was playing all the songs acoustically on an Instagram live. And we came to this agreement: if you take all the weird, funny songs off a White Album, it could possibly be the best Beatles album. If you just kept all the serious songs. Oh, I like all the weird stuff too. Serious songs. There's my air quotes. Okay, so change. Um, Now the album itself, I would probably I'm gonna give it a no. That song, but knowing, but (laughs) so it's getting coupled with the song. And then that short film that you watched that went along with it. Did you watch it? No, I purposefully didn't. It popped up for me to watch, and I was like, "No, just need to stay focused on this album. Stay focused on this album." And then she did the ten-minute version on SNL too. Oh, which acoustic? She played the acoustic guitar for most of it, and then the band was in the back, and then she had two singers with her. And then watching her play it just by herself. In a theater, in a movie theater, with you know, a gaggle of women around her, and a couple, a couple of gentlemen, a gaggle Um, of women. Yeah, Um, it made me appreciate Taylor for who she is a lot more, and it, it was like, yeah, you've you've got some chops here, and I can appreciate your skills. Um, I don't. Does that move into change i'm not sure like for the moment i'm happy and excited i've gotten this and it inspires me if i ever get back to songwriting to be better i say it's like one and three quarters so we could give it to her i mean we're still only three out of six anyway so it's not like it's yeah t- i mean I, okay yeah yeah i think this album and just what she's doing as a whole like the, the whole sticking it to the man thing as well, like that's that an actually quality, pretty inspiring. Move. Yeah, that quality alone has changed me. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. She has changed me. It hasn't been this particular album. Yeah, just her how she's approaching music and handling all the issues that come up and being a broken person, uh, trying to figure it out. And having to do it in front of millions of people. That's inspiring. Yeah. So, okay. Three for six, right? Yeah, three for six. All right. So, what do you think about Miss Swift and her Taylor version of Red? Do you enjoy it? Um, is this your cup of tea? Are you in love with it like Ian is? And it doesn't matter if we mark it great or not. It's great in your book. Uh, who cares about our arbitrary six, uh, ru- six? <laughs> I only thing care about rubric. that thing when I don't like an album. <laughs> um, or do you love it, or do you fall somewhere in between, like myself? Uh, let us know what you think on Facebook, on Instagram. We'd love to hear your Twitter. thoughts. It what? Can't they tweet it? I mean, they can tweet it. We don't have a Twitter, but they can tweet and it. We don't That's have a Twitter. Sure. No, we don't have a Twitter. Sheesh. I mean, you can start a Twitter nope. if you want. I'm not the right guy for that one. <laughs> I know you're not. So, anyway, all right. So, let us know what you think there. Give us a good review on your podcast app. Um, if you want to help us financially, you can go to Anchor, do the things, and push the buttons, and we'd lovely and appreciate that. And we're gonna, next week we're going to come back and do it again. And it is that time of year, Ian. You love Christmas music, don't you? Yeah. But before we tell them what we're doing next week, whoever the 21 of you are in the world that listen to our podcast more than anybody else's podcast, thank you. I don't know what 21 That's of you they are, but just that we ranked first on 21 of you guys' list. That means a lot. That's mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing. That is humbling and mind-blowing and amazing and awesome. And we're just two dudes rambling on about music. I love it. And I also wanted to say 
Thank you for 2,205 minutes of your life this year. You gave us 2,204 minutes of your entire life. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time to listen into our voices. That is. <laughs> mm, but it's beautiful and it's magical. And I got to say, I think one of the highlights for me has just been the conversations that it has started otherwise mm-hmm. of uh, like my buddy Aaron. We did Metallica episode. And man, we've been just going back and forth about metal music and all kinds of stuff. I appreciate that. And, and oh, I got to tell you this uh, before we go. He, We were talking about, I forget which episode it was, but he's like, oh, Ian's not going to like this. And he's never <laughs> met you. And he was just like, I know Ian's going to rip this thing apart right here. Yes. And Andy's going to like. And it was just so amazing to hear. Was he accurate? Yeah, yes. yeah, he was pretty accurate. He was like, I knew he wasn't going to like... I am that predictable. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if it's that, but he just kind of knew your style. And so it was really cool that people are kind of getting to know us, even though they don't... Well, some of us might know us. I mean, you've got friends that listen that I hope they would think they'd know me a little bit. And I've got friends that listen and... I hope they think they know you a little bit more. So, one, one of my weird. favorite quotes this year came to me from Mike, and he was like, I saw a picture of Andy for the first time. It's exactly what I thought he would look like. <laughs> I was like, that's so great. That's amazing. It was. I loved Love it. it. Yeah. So good. For me, it's been great because a lot of my conversations, like there's actually been like a framework to talk about music with people. Not a, I liked it or I didn't like it. And that's been really helpful too. Like, you know, like we're getting a little bit into, we're not, we're talking about music from, from not a music person's point of view, but still creating a framework to, to talk about music, you know? So we don't have to get into the theory and all of that, but we can talk about it a little more other than it made me laugh or it made me smile or I like guitars, you know? Um, (laughs) And I think that that's pretty great. I'd like to expand on it a little bit. I have some ideas for the coming year of just some tweaks we can make to this system um, that that might help us do a little better. Nice. Yeah. I love your Santa hat, by the way. Thanks. I'm still wearing my Santa hat and my llama shirt. I love your llama shirt. Because uh, I was doing a thing with the kids here at the church. so And then we finished up, and Ian's like, you ready to record? I'm like, let's go. All right, speaking of which, Christmas. You love the Christmas music. So we, I'm indulging you. We're doing two weeks of Christmas stuff. Mm -hmm. Two weeks, people. If you love Christmas, you're welcome. If you don't like Christmas, bah humbug. Um, All right, so we are going to take one a little more seriously and then one sort of kind of fun. Should should we lay it all out for him? Yeah, lay it out for him. All right, so... Next week, we are going to listen. Uh, we have defrosted him, and Michael Bublé is back out in full force, and we're going to listen to his Christmas album. A Bublé Christmas. A Bublé Christmas. I think it's just called Christmas. Michael Bublé Christmas, I think is what it's called. Uh, it's him, like, standing on the front. It's a good one. Yeah, listen to it. Um, and then we're going to run through our rubric here and see if it holds up. The next week, we are going to listen to All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. And just talk about that individual song and see how that holds up. There's a great video by Adam Neely about that one, but we'll wow. talk about that later. And then I think what we're going to do is we're going to share some of our Christmas songs that fit in the great category and neither of us get to complain or say anything bad about get ready. our choices. It's going to be like a three-hour episode for me. This is uh, the episode okay. where Ian rambles I, about all his favorite Christmas songs. I've got like two things <laughs> that I'm like, I like this one and I I've like got this a million, one, And then I'm going to move on. <laughs> I've got a million and I can tell you why. <laughs> uh, interesting. So, Let's listen to Michael Bublé's Christmas album next week. And then for the next week, do your homework and kind of maybe 
one, two to five of your favorite either Christmas albums, Christmas songs, Christmas productions, whatever you think it is. And we'll we'll go from there. Gotta ask Ryan if Drake has any Christmas music. I doubt it. I don't know, man. I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I'm going to be truthful. If I could just share my truth. <laughs> All right. My truth is I won't listen to Drake Christmas. We'll see you in the future. Okay. A little closer to Christmas. We'll see you in the future. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>